Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Talk about the, the Magi uh, who came to worship the king. So this is in Matthew chapter 2. At the, at the chapter, uh, verse 1. So if I can read that to you, uh, I'll do that. Says, now, G- after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I may too come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose and went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Let's just pray. Father, we just... Lord, we just commit this moment to you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that that you, Lord, came as a babe through the Virgin Mary, born into this world, took on flesh, walked as a man, yet divine, Lord, and, and ultimately you went to the cross and gave up your life, Lord, that you might restore and reconcile us to yourself we love you for that we worship you and we honor you for that we just pray today lord that you will i pray that we will just be more excited about you more aware of how great and how glorious and how good you are lord as we just unfold and unpack the magi when they came to worship you as the king of kings in jesus name Amen. So maybe for our young young folk on the front, I think I remember doing this with my mum on occasions when you would read something in the Bible. Uh, often it was the authorised King James Version, so most you read you wouldn't understand anyway. But I remember reading things and then saying to my mum, you know, what does this mean? And then she would unpack it. Maybe I asked my mum, not my dad. My dad was the pastor. I go to my mum um and she would unpack it she said this is what i think it means and 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 so you you kind of wonder why matthew 
talks about the Magi. So here's this, and, and I guess what I encourage you, when you read things in the Bible, don't just read them, read over them. Go ask the question, why? Why is that there? What does that mean? What's the significance of that? And, and it's not to, for you just to work out yourself and go, I think. It's actually go to your, your parents or your youth leaders and say, hey, look, I was reading this, and what do you think it means? I, I think it means this. And you have that wonderful uh, dialogue, and it's, it's, it's good, and it helps you unpack. I did it. It was called Bible College, where you unpack it. <laughs> and people tell you things, and you go, well, I've never heard that before. And I remember doing Christian Worldview, and the guy that was leading, he said, now I'm going to say things that are going to just challenge you to the core. And I'm like, not me. I think I've got it all down pat. <laughs> Day one, I was good. Day two, I was good. Day three, he says, I went, that can't be right. <laughs> so, um, and it's good, isn't it? Um, and what I find from Bible college is the way I, I see it is that as I was brought up, and I was brought up in a really uh, good, solid, foundational uh, church, lots of Bible teaching, uh, lots of spirit movement, uh, but I, I kind of look at it like it was a, a narrow window. And then when I went to Bible college, that window was widened. It wasn't that things were wrong. It was just things were widened because you start to ask questions and you start to see what other people think. And this is what you find is you'll find a guy who studies uh, Isaiah. He spent 30 years studying Isaiah. And he, this is what he believes is, is the, as he unpacks it. And then you have another guy who studied Isaiah for 30 years, and this is what he believes, and they're not always the same. So what do, we, what do I do? I say, well, I'm going to meditate on that. I'm going to listen to that. I'm going to listen to that. And then I'm going to really set what I feel, what I think. And in a way, it's the confidence that we need in the Word of God and a humility to offer that to others. So when people are like, this is what it means, not interested in your opinion, or not interested in your view, Mate, let's all be open. Let's all be be willing to be challenged. So maybe I'll challenge you today. Maybe you'll think, well, that's off, or <laughs> but that's fine. Don't heckle me in the meeting. Just uh, meet me afterwards, and and we can talk it through because um, there's so much to unpack. Anyway, wonder why Matthew records the Magi and not the shepherds. Wonder why Luke records the shepherds and not the Magi. I wonder why Mark and John don't record anything. And but Matthew, if you do that, Matthew's primary goal was to say Jesus is the king. Luke was Jesus is the shepherd. Jesus is the king. Matthew starts off in chapter one. This is the lineage. This is Abraham to David to Jesus, the 14 generations to the exile of Babylon, the 14 generations. And it is really, he's establishing right from the off, Jesus is king. And the Magi are necessary to, in a sense, help him prove that point because the Magi are a very uh, unique, um, special group of people that operated way back, and we'll look at that, way back when Daniel was around, if you remember that, the magicians and the, and, and the magi, the wise men. And here they are in the 
nativity scene. Let's say that. It, they weren't at the birth, as you know. It says, and going into the house, not the manger, and they saw the child, not the baby. So I don't want to upset people's Christmases, but the king, the the oh, the kings, uh, the magi came at a different time, sometime in the year to two years, because as we know, Herod, when he found out that the magi had gone without telling him, kind of said, right, all the children under two need to be wiped out. And so there, there's a period. So this is Jesus as a child, and they come and they work, they find him and they worship him. So Matthew is, is making a clear declaration that Jesus is the king of kings and he is the king of the kingdom. You read Matthew, it talks about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's all about this everlasting kingdom of God that Jesus will come and reign over and, and does reign over. And so that's, that's Matthew. The other, the other kind of foundation I lay is, is what I call the meta-narrative. Um, should have done it. Sorry, bro. Um, the meta-narrative of the Bible, so obviously highfalutin, but what it essentially means is, is you've got to understand the whole picture. Before you start to look at certain portions of Scripture or certain theological uh, understands, it's always good to have a meta, bigger, over, narrative, storyline. And the high-level overview is from Genesis to Revelation. There's one that says, one God, one plan, one story. That's the meta-narrative. God created the world. Sin came in. There was a fall. Then Jesus came to redeem, and then there's going to be a new creation, or we're in the new creation, and it's going to be established when Jesus returns. It, it's within that frame, not necessarily... Uh, I think I've said this before, but I, I always kind of believe that Jesus started in, in Matthew, whereas really Jesus is God and he has always been and he was there at the beginning and he, he's there at the end and he's eternal. Um, and therefore, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension is central to the meta-narrative. It's all about Jesus' plan of redemption, God's plan of salvation. And the, the Magi, who were not Jews, is part of God's overarching plan of redemption, set way back, purposed way back in time. That God's, even through Abraham, it, that there will be both Jews and Gentiles in heaven, multitude of nations worshipping God, it didn't just happen. It didn't just randomly come out and God kind of trying to work. It's pre-planned purpose of God. It's, it cannot be affected by the devil. It cannot be affected by human agent. God's plan and purpose will have its final fulfillment. The kingdom of God will be established and it will spread to the whole world. And we will be not only are saved, I think somebody said this last week, we're not only saved, we're not being saved, but we shall be saved. We are, not, we are saved from the power of, uh, of, of sin. We are working through the presence of sin, but then sin will be eliminated and we will live in the, the redeemed freedom of the Lord. So it's not a coincidence. I don't believe in coincidences. 
I don't believe in in things just being random. Um, we we in the church in Elton that we were on, and I was probably quite a young young man, but there were our parents and our and their um, peers. Uh, there was a lot of prayer going up for their children. A lot of children were were walking away from the Lord. And there's a lot of prayer going up, and there's one particular uh, couple parents who were praying for their son. And I remember because it was it was a constant. We were praying for this, uh, and this um, young man had got into a lot of trouble. He um, he was involved in a murder. He was a, he was an uh, was accomplished to a murder. He was put in prison. This the guy that was actually done for murder was his was his best friend. He was put into prison. But we were praying, and the church was praying, and. Then there was a, a prophet in our church who had a connection to a guy called Tom who was in East London. And the church began to just pop over to East London to where they were and begin to just connect and, and preach and things like that. And in the meantime, um, there was a couple in our church that were kind of released into the evangelistic work within the community. And they would go around knocking on doors and uh, they knocked on tom's brother door uh and they're a gypsy family so no no christian upbringing whatsoever didn't really know who jesus was and they knocked on his door and <laughs> he, he was very aggressive and violent man he threatened him and you know said don't you ever come and knock on my door again um but we continue to pray and we didn't realize that obviously tom's influence on on this, I'm trying not to say names, this guy and their family. And it, in the end, it, this Dave, who is married to his best mate's sister, who's with me? I was going to do an org chart, but um, his best mate's sister came to the Lord. <laughs> Woo! So, what it... Suffice to say, let me sum that up, is we don't see the big picture. We don't see what God is doing. We don't see, and, uh, you know, I'm convinced, I can go through stories in, in, in our life with Misha and I or with our children, the, the orchestrated provision work of God outside of any of our thinking. We're just simply praying, walking, and God is working and he's working all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And therefore, you, you look at this and this story of the, of the nativity, it wasn't a random event. It wasn't a coincidence. It was a purposed narrative that fitted into the whole. And I believe that when we, we have to understand that when we when we ask God for things, does it fit with the meta narrative? Does it fit with God's plan of salvation? We think that you know you go and you go. Well, you can ask ask whatever you want, and God will give it to you. So you go, well, I want a Lamborghini, but most of the time, you don't get one. Why? Because it doesn't fit into God's meta narrative plan of salvation. It may do. If God calls me to Monte Carlo, I think a Lamborghini would be essential for the ministry, but Till then, I'll settle for a Maserati, okay?
Anyway, so I think this is true with the Magi. I can't I can't waffle on too much because so where are we going? Source HDMI. Okay. <clears throat> I, I spent hours on this presentation. I'm a I'm a graphic designer and a desktop publisher, and Jason said, Oh, we're using Canvas now. Do you know how to use it? It's like, hmm. Okay. It's like like Google Forms or something like that, yeah. Anyway, so who are these wise men? We have to go back to Daniel, the Magi. And it, and chapter 1, verse 1 to 7, I need to read a little bit. I just want us to get into where I think the it began to start of source itself to uh, the birth of Jesus or, or them seeing Jesus as a child in a house. And it says in Daniel chapter 1, in the third year of reign of jo Joachim, Joachim. Ben, do you want to read? Uh, King of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave the king of Judah into his hands and some of the vessels from the house of God, as in the vessels of the house of God, gold, silver, gold. Love that. And he brought them to the land of Shinar to the house of his God and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded his chief eunuch to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, used without blemish, of good appearance, skillful in wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans, which, by the way, is Abraham's hometown, the king assigned them a date. Oh, I'll leave that. You know, they wanted a food. He didn't want to eat the food because it was defiled and he was, strength, he was strengthened. But Daniel and his three free companions, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, were brought in, trained up in the to be in the wise men. And God blessed Daniel um, and gave him learning and skill in literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And we know if we've read Daniel. Daniel was this incredible, God-fearing, faithful dream interpreter, and, and he was there for 64 years in uh, Babylon, come Persia. And, and he became part of the wise men. And so when Nebuchadnezzar had the dream in chapter 2, he calls the wise men, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans and the Magi, to interpret his dream, but he won't tell them what the dream is, which is difficult. Um, sometimes when you, I, I love that when you go up to someone and says, I'll, I'll prophesy over you. And I, and I come up, I say, would you prophesy over me? And they say, what, what, what's the context? So no, I'm not going to tell you the context. Just prophesy over me. Because if it's God, he'll speak to me. Not that I don't suggest you do that all the time. It's good to share things, but this is a challenge. And, and Nebuchadnezzar is so angry that he's literally going to just kill them all. He's going to kill them all. And Daniel says, I'm going to interpret your dream. And he gets his friends together and they have a prayer meeting and God reveals it to Daniel. And such is the, um, and that's the dream of the kingdoms, the very significant dream that, that Nebuchadnezzar had. And then it says there right at the end, then the king gave Daniel high honors and gr many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the province of Babylon and chief prefect over the wise men. 
So you can imagine this scenario that all these wise men, sorcerers, astrologers are going to be killed. Daniel steps in and says, I'm going to interpret and God's going to interpret it for me. And Nebuchadnezzar so favors Daniel, he, he makes him chief of the Magi. So they're right there in that Babylon, 500 BC, there is Daniel, a faithful man of God, who is chief over the Magi. Now, you know the story because Daniel, uh, the satraps who said that you've got to bow when you hear the sound of the, the music instruments, that, and, and Daniel and his friends wouldn't do it. And, and later on, even with um, Darius, is it Darius that he, he won't worship and he gets put in the, in the lion's den and the lions don't eat him. So all these, and, there's, and Daniel had incredible visions, incredible encounters. I mean, go and read Daniel. It, it's a very prophetic book. There's all these encounters and visions of, of uh, Gabriel coming, of, of wars in heaven, of 70 weeks prophetic. And so can you imagine this guy, Daniel, faithful, in charge of a group of wise men who they were... Um, it says this, they were trusted advisors. They would be in the court of the king. And if the king needed any advice, he'd call the Magi. They were priests. They were similar to the high priest of Israel, that sort of significant role. And they were proficient in knowledge and mathematics and astronomy and medicine, astrology, dream interpretation, and history and practice, practice, practitioners of magic and paranormal arts. In fact, they eventually formed a religion called, and this is it, Zora. Who said it? John, what is it? Yep. Ask John what that is. Um, which is still here today in in in, in um, Iran and India, where they suggest that two hundred thousand people still practice this religion, and it was there in the in the. 500 BC-ish Babylon era that these things were being, being developed. And this is the key. They were kingmakers. So maybe there's a sense where when we get the three kings, that they, they weren't kings, but they were kingmakers. They actually could get together and choose the king for the empire. And that was their... The, you understand the significance of their role. They weren't three guys on camels that rocked up to a house, which we, I believe, for 25 years. Um, they, they were significant, wise men. And in Daniel's day, they were in the Babylonian court. Um, it's interesting to note that um, Cyrus, the Persian king, released the Jews to go back to Jerusalem to, to rebuild the temple, but not all of them went. And some of them stayed and some of them intermarried. And so in, in my mind, you've got this uh, Daniel who is faithful to Torah, he's faithful to God, he's got visions and dreams of prophetic foretellings of the coming Messiah, of the ends of the age, and, and, and he's going to be just sharing this. And they're seeing, this is a guy who gets, gets rescued. His friend's go into a furnace of fire, but they don't get burned. He gets thrown into the lion's den, but they don't eat him. There is something about these guys that I want to know. Isn't that, isn't that Christians today, isn't it? Where we're not, we're not 
subject to this world and people to look at us and the anxieties and the stresses and, and they're saying, why are you not stressed? Because we know our God. Because you can put me in the fiery furnace and you know what will happen? There'll be one like, like a man that comes and stands and all everything that binds me will be burnt up, but I won't be, be singed. I'll tell you what, it's, oh, this is the blessing of sonship, isn't it? Daughtership. Yeah. That we don't, are not subject to this world. We are of the kingdom of God. We are sons and daughters of the king. And so often we allow the, the, the undertone, the demonic um, influence of this world to affect how we are as Christians. And I just pray that as we walk with God, he just reveals new things to us. Where is holiness? Holiness is that being separated more and more unto God, more and more aware of who you are in God, more and more aware of your identity in Christ. And, in, and yet there's that safety and security that we are, we are sealed and, delivered and, and set in Christ. And then there is that process of working it through in my heart so that I am absolutely convinced that I'm in God. I'm absolutely convinced that Christ died for me, loves me, and I'm going to go and spend eternity with him. But there are things in my heart that he needs to work through. There are things in my mind that he needs to change and transform and, and bring revelation to because he wants to make me more and more like him. That's Daniel. That's the Magi. That's, and and it, there are... Um, these, these magi, these, these descendants of Daniel, these who, who perhaps took on board the, the religion of the Hebrews or the Israel God and began like, remember Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, he was a God-fearing Roman. Um, and obviously in time, love that song, in the right time, Peter has a revelation, comes down, eat Peter, he says, I can't, it's unclean. Don't call unclean what i've made clean knock knock oh cornelius oh coincidence no divine meta narrative plan of salvation god coming to the gentiles cornelius cornelius was a god-fearing um gentile um and and so it doesn't say it doesn't but i love it it, it excites me to to know that there's this generational uh, you know, even in, in, in Jewish culture, they would pass on to the next generation the wonderful works of God. They would retain what, we did, what God did, taking us out of Egypt. And, and so you've got this generation upon generation transference of this is what's going. This is what Daniel said. He said there's going to come a time that there's going to be a star that's going to come. And, and, and these guys are, they look into the stars. And so Matthew then records it. That they saw the star rising in the east and they said, that's it. We've got to go. What's it going to cost you? Everything. <laughs> We're not going to just make a trip to Bethlehem. It's, it's, it's an entourage. It's, it's, it's a delegation. It's a king-making delegation that's going to come and acknowledge the king of the Jews and worship and give him gold and frankincense and myrrh and make a declaration. You know, you can understand. Oh, okay. How about this? Did you know? Have we got that yet? Okay. All right. Slide one. Let's start. Um, put the put the map up of the uh, that one. Okay. 
So the purple is the Roman Empire. That's what we think about. The Roman Empire populating Israel. Jesus was born into the Roman Empire. But look at that one on the big green one on the right, the Parthian Empire. See, the Magi came from the east. They saw the, the, the star. They came from the east. This is the Parthian Empire. This is a massive empire that it is recorded always went to war with Israel. Oh, sorry, with Rome. And there are records of in, in um, the one is 50, 53 AD. They went to war. And they had these series of conflicts. And of course, if you're if you're in the Parthian Empire and you're fighting the Roman Empire, where are you going to meet? <laughs> right in the middle, where Israel is. So there's all these conflicts and wars. And so can you imagine that this delegation of, of magi that were wise that sat in the council of the kings of the Persian Empire, the Parthian Empire, who made decisions about kingmaking come in all their entourage with all their gold and all their frankincense and all their myrrh and come into Bethlehem and knock on Herod's door and say, we've come to worship the king. Herod was troubled. You know the word troubled? He's agitated. He's angry. He's actually a very violent king. In fact, he wasn't a Jew. He was an Edomite. And so he did everything, as we know, to protect his king. He wouldn't. And that's why he had no knowledge of what was going on. And he had to call the, the chief priests and bring them. And so you got this, this, this kind of war going on and this caravan of magi coming to find the newborn king. And I love that in Isaiah 60 where it says, Arise, a shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you and the glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see they all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. You shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult because the abundance of the sea has turned to you and the wealth of the nations has come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels from Midian and Ephah and those from Seba shall come and they'll bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. That's at Isaiah. We think Isaiah 6 is all about the coming of the, of the Lord Jesus. And this is it. And maybe that's where we get the sense of the, of the kings because the kings will come. But they will come a multitude. You know, it's um, the, I, I googled, um, what's a multitude? And so it's anything over 100. But I think you can imagine the prestige of these people. They wouldn't just kind of go, oh, let's all go. They would have servants. They would have people carrying stuff. They would, they would, they would have tents. They would, you know, it took a while. It doesn't really say where they came from, but even if I plotted um, Ur of the Chaldees, which to Bethlehem is about 1,319 kilometres, you imagine walking, some say camels, some say horses, but trekking trek there, it's, you know. So I consulted um, Malachi's theological book on the nativity, and it said... <clears throat> so is it here malachi no some wise men saw the star and guessed 
<laughs> guessed a new king had been born. Um, so I don't, I'm not going to read that to Malachi. Um, because these guys, they saw the star, they, they knew it, and they came. And they, you know, you would not go to that extreme, to that length, to go and acknowledge Jesus as king. They, they knew the star. They knew, and it says his star. It wasn't a star. It's his star. And they saw it, and they went, that's it. We've got to go because a new king has been born, and we need to go and acknowledge that and worship and Herod, in all his fear, with all the warmongering of the Roman Empire and the per and the Parthian Empire, was so fragile in his in his role that he would do anything to keep it. And he sucked up to the Romans, and he kept his his role. But yeah, I mean that's incredible. So his star, how are we doing? Oh, four minutes. So his star, where did it come from? Here we tread carefully. You know, I was trying to, in Genesis 1, 14 to 15, and God said, let there be light in the expanse for the heaven, for, of the heavens and separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens and give light upon the earth. And it was so. Isaiah 40, lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls them each by name because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech and night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out to all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. God created the heavens, the stars, the solar systems, the universe, the sun to rule, the, the moon to do its job. It's all for him. It manifests him, his glory. And unfortunately, that has been hijacked by the enemy. And I feel that perhaps the Lord wants to say today that we need to be aware of the hijacking of the stars as Christians, because anything that we embrace that is not in alignment with God is damaging to us. We, it's God loves us. God speaks to us. God, he rejoices over us. But he says, I want you to be free. I don't want you to, to get trapped in. And, you know, here's the thing. We can get trapped in. You know, Job said, um, when he said to Job, you know, where were you when... I did all this. Where were you? And he talks about the, the maker of the bear. I think there's one there. The bear, the Ursula Major, the Orion, the, the Placates and the constellations of the south. You know, God, he's looking at his creation. He's saying, look at this. And then he says to Job, you know, could you, could, can you change it? It's like God could just change it. He could just wrap that bit up and redo that if he wanted to because he's, he is the creator god he has the authority to do that and i think what man has done is they've they've then taken it put it here and now we're worshiping it and job job's job actually says um where is it i'm going out my notes now um job says this in chapter 31 if 
I had regarded the sun in its radiance or the moon moving in splendor so that my heart was secretly enticed and my hand offered them a kiss of homage, then these would also be sins that I would be judged for and I would have been unfaithful to God. In fact, in Deuteronomy, to do any star worshipping or anything that put stars and things in high regard was an abomination. In other words, it was, it was a disgust to the Lord and it was punishable by death. So I'm glad we don't live in the Old Testament. But horoscopes, where you get... Actually, the horoscopes, and I looked at the Zodiac, was actually fashioned in and around the Babylonian Empire where we start to get the, hor- the Zodiacs because then they do the uh, 12, 12 signs that give you the 12 months and things like that. Now, horoscopes, we know in our culture, is pretty common. You go to work, people go, oh, what's your, what star sign are you? What, what, what's your, what was your horoscope? Grace upon grace. Um, you know, and in some regard, I used to feel that like, oh, it's harmless. It's harmless. You know, I don't believe a thing of it. But the this is the entrapment of the enemy that he might, he, you might read something that entices you to believe it in without believing God's word. But really, who are you, when you read horoscopes, you are really saying, I want to believe that not what God says. And it's easy because you can open up a paper. There's your horoscope. So you're going to be, you're going to find financial blessing next year. I love that one. It's always fun. Yep. 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 And you're going to find a, find a wife. It's like, but I've already got a wife. So two wives. I said, great. I'll do that. Um, but you know, it says this of, astrology which these guys practiced daniel daniel did not practice this he was god inspired in everything he did astrology is a form of divination and this is it it's it's the practice of seeking knowledge of the future or the unknown by supernatural means based on the theory that the movements of the celestial bodies the stars the planets and the sun and moon have influence on human affairs and determine the course of events in other words, I look to the stars to tell me what my future is. We can't do that. It's an abomination. It's divination. It's, it, it's subtle. How, how often does the devil wrap abominations in nice, sweet-coated things that we eat? The sweetness of sin for the moment, and then the, and the devil's hooked you. But you know what we do? We just say, Lord, I'm, I repent. I'm sorry. I didn't realize the significance of that. I don't want to do that anymore. I just want to listen to you. The, the heavens declare the word, the voice of God. We just You just look up into the heavens and try and work out you know, what zodiac sign it is. Just let God speak to you because he is speaking all the time. And we just need to be completely against and I say horoscopes because I think that's a, that's a reality for a lot of people at school, at work, in conversations. And it's simply, guys, oh, I don't, I don't do that. I don't believe in that. I don't, I don't want to touch that. You don't have to kind of do any more than that. But, but I encourage you to not do it. Um, this is what Job said. 
Oh, God said to Job, can you bind the beautiful Pallades? Can you loose the cords of the Orion? Or can you bring forth the constellations in their season? Job's like, nope, I can't. I acknowledge you as God. And so, you know, there's the stars. I just wanted us to be um, a lot of, a lot of um, work has been done in terms where now, I don't know if you've got one of those, but we've got a picture of our uh, star, our, what do you call it, our star at the time we got married. So it's actually now mathematically and scientifically can work back and go in, in 31st of March, 1990, this was what the stars were like when you got married and they can work it back. And they're using that to work back, work back, work back to see if they can do that. So I'm, I'm going to be a bit fluffy on this um, because this just takes a lot of, but they, what we do know is they saw the star, his star. They were stargazers. They knew what it meant. They followed the star. Now, some say it's a comet. Some say it's like a comet that just came. Some say it's actually Jupiter that aligned with Romulus and Jupiter is the king planet and Romulus is the king star and they aligned and it was bright and that's what they followed. Okay, I love that. I'd like to dig into that. One guy says, well, don't, don't listen to him. This is what it is. And I was, this is another preacher and he said, and I, I mean, I like this as well, but whether it's true or not, I don't know. He said, imagine the in Luke when it talks about and and the and the angel appeared and and all the heavenly hosts appeared and the glory of God shone and a multitude of angels singing glory to God in the highest and people, what would that look and if I was there stargazing boom this bright light but how it went and where it went I don't know it needs it, it in a way Perhaps I'm leaning towards one guy that said, if Matthew didn't explain what it was, why do we need to look into it? But you could do that with a lot of things and get, get nowhere. So if you're one of those people like me, I love that stuff. I'd love to dig into it more. Then you go for it. If you're just happy to accept that God um, in his wisdom ordered his creation to, to reveal a star that was was unique in the sky and it had this certain uh, rising from the east and moved and then it stood over. And there are scientific reasons as to why. One is um, if you're driving in a car next to a car and that car starts to slow down, you think the car's going backwards. But it's not going backwards, it's just going slower than you. But you get the impression it's going backwards. And therefore they can say the star stopped. But did it stop or was the earth rotating and the, and the solar system rotating? It looked like it stopped. Did it stop? But we know God can stop. He stopped the moon for 20, uh, the sun for 24 hours. You know, so great comet, a bright light shone around them. But there was a star. And then they come and they follow the star and they find it and they bring gifts, three gifts. And we know gold is, is where you bring gold when you come to visit royalty um it's it's the most precious um metal it's valuable and that's what when the queen of sheba came to solomon he brought gold and he got like she bought gold and and honored him with it um i love the fact i read this that it could have been the gold that they took from that was taken from the temple 
to Babylon. Imagine that. Ah, oh, that the gold that was God's is returned to God in the fullness of time. I love that. Whether it's right or not, I, I really don't know. But <laughs> maybe this is my last message. <laughs> Second one, frankincense is an aromatic gum resin that's still used in parts of the Middle East. And I saw uh, an image, they scrape the bark of the tree and it bleeds this um, frankincense. And then they scrape it off and it dries and that's what they use. And it's used for burning. It's burning incense and it's closely associated with ceremonial worship. In fact, in, um, in the Old Testament, it says that this is the one that needs to be used in the temple for the worship for, for the um, on the incense on the altar. This is this is what you use pure, and this is what they brought to Jesus. The third one, and I need to, I just want to link this to something. The third one is myrrh, and that's another uh, spice. It's another uh, um, fragrance, and like incense can be used. Uh, it can be used as incense, like a perfume, but it's also used as anointing oil. And and also we know that it was used to embalm people. And so, you know, when I was reading that, it said, you know, and the shepherds, uh, sorry, the magi, you know, they knew that they were bringing. I think, well, did they know? I don't know. But they brought these three things. Gold because he's the king. Frankincense because he's going to be worshipped. And myrrh because he's going to be, he's going to die. And we know that that's the, the mission of Jesus is to come to be the king, to give his life and to die on the cross that we might be free. And it says, where do you find, if we put the next one, where do you find in the Old Testament all those three things at the same place in the temple? And what came to mind is this, what Jesus said in John 22, when he goes into the, into the temple and he, he gets a whip and he, he, he says, my house will be my father's house, but a house of prayer. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. And the Jews said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. He was speaking about the temple of his body. Gold, frankincense, myrrh. We are <laughs> the temple of the Lord. We are in Christ. We are aligned with him. We are buried with him. We are raised in him to life. And I think the significance of these um, these objects that they came and they brought to the king was so, like the land that was wrapped in the swaddling, was so significant of the meta-narrative of the salvation and, and why Jesus came to die, to, to, to be born to die, so that we might live eternally with God and Jesus. So as the worship team, or Joel... <laughs> there what can we get what's our takeaway i mean i don't i hope i don't know hope that that excited you maybe that gave you some things to think about uh, i hope that your 
heart for God has enlarged because God is so big. Um, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our, our thoughts. He's in control. He's in control of my life. Isn't that you're so glad to know that no matter what is going on in this world, whatever they're saying, I know I am hidden in Christ in God. I am safe and secure. Things happen. Yes, they do. We know that. Sicknesses, sometimes death, but this that is not the end. There is a narrative of new creation, living eternally with God. His plan for salvation in Abraham, his, his kingly covenant in David, all wraps up with this child that's born that is the king of the Jews. And his purpose that, and he will not fail. Nebuchadnezzar's dream is that there will be a hewn out of the a rock a, a, and it will smash all the other kingdoms and this kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. We are part of the everlasting kingdom of God. We are not part of this world. We're not part of the dominion of this world. The devil has no hold over us unless we give him hold. But we are part of that future, forever, eternal kingdom. And it says, God as Emmanuel, God with us. We celebrate at Christmas the incarnation of Jesus as Emmanuel. God came to save us, a light to his people, Gentile. What do we bring? We just, Romans 12, just bring ourselves as a living expression of worship. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.